This is Rick Pina, and I am bringing you today's word for July 1st, 2020. I'm teaching a series entitled Faith and Patience. This is actually part 55 of the, of the overall series, and the title of today's message is Feast and Favor in Famine. Let me say that again. I, woo, we serve a God who can cause you to have feast a feast in the middle of a famine. God can give you favor in the middle of a famine. You're saying, Rick, right now we're in the middle of a global pandemic, all the stuff that's going on in the United States with race relations, the, the economy has taken a turn for the worse. God can cause you to have a feast in the middle of a famine. I'm talking about faith. I'm talking about feast. I'm talking about favor in the middle of a famine. Let's talk about it. In James 1, verses 2 through 4, foundational scripture for this series, the Bible says, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, you should see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it actually develops inside of you the power to endure all things. And then when this power to endure all things, this patient endurance is developed inside of you, it actually releases perfection or maturity into every area, every aspect of your life to the point where there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. And that's what we want to get to. In Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, the Bible says that there's a time, there's a season for everything, and everything is going to happen in your life at just the right time. And then finally, Genesis 43, yesterday we stopped at verse 32. Today we're going to verse 34. The Bible says, when the portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as everyone else's. And so they feasted and drank freely with him. So let's talk about that. Let's, let's just, let me give you the, the, the story. Let me paint uh, the, the, the picture for you. So let me set the stage. And after I set the stage, I have three things to share with you on this morning. So I want you to, to really kind of tune in now to this story. And I know you know this story, right? But, but you know, it's, it's good to hear it again. So in the last message, we left off with Joseph sitting at the table by himself. You remember that? So he's sitting at the table by himself because, you know, uh, he couldn't sit with the Hebrews, with, the, with his brothers, because at the time they thought he was an Egyptian. But then he couldn't sit with his servants, the Egyptians, because they knew that he was a Jew. <laughs> and so, so he, he, this weird situation. So he's seated here by himself, the, the, the 11 brothers at this other table. And then the servants over there, right? So he, there, there they are. So now Joseph's brothers, at their, they're at the table with the 11. They're actually seated in the order of their birth. And so now they're like, this is strange. They're sitting there because the steward, Joseph's steward, seated them in accordance with their ages. And so they thought that this was a weird coincidence. Like, how does this man know how to sit us in the right order? And so they get seated in this order. And that meant that Benjamin was at, was the last person. Benjamin was the youngest. So Benjamin was at the end of the table. He was at seat number 11. So let me talk about Benjamin today, because we've talked about Joseph a lot in this story. We've talked about the 10 brothers who betrayed him in this story. 
But you know who we haven't really talked about? We haven't talked about Benjamin. So let me take a few minutes to talk about him. So what do we know about him? Well, first of all, we know that when he was born, he, he had an eventful entrance into this world, right? While he was being born, his mother, Rachel, the one that, that, uh, that Jacob loved, right? The one that was fine. Remember that? And so, so, so Jacob really loved Rachel and she's having her second son. And while she's giving birth to the boy, she's dying. And the midwife is like, oh no, what's going on? And she's going to die. And she knows she's going to die. So she, since she's dying as the boy is coming out, she says to her husband in her dying breath, this is her, her dying breath request to her husband. Hey, baby, what's that? Name the boy Ben-Onai. Ben-Onai. Ben-Onai means son of sorrow. Ben-Onai means son of pain. So she's like, no, I want you to name him Ben Onai so that every time you call him, Ben Onai, come here. Every time you call him, you can remember me and remember the pain of losing me. And so, so listen, what you name your kids is important because you're, you're speaking something over their life every time you call their name. So thankfully, thankfully, uh, Jacob was like, man, I'm not doing that. Listen, listen I love my wife. And I appreciate her and everything, but I can't do that to the boy because then every time I call his name, I'm going to have, no, I'm not doing that. So what he called him was instead of Ben Onai, he called him Benjamin. Benjamin means the son of my right hand. Benjamin means the son of good fortune. Benjamin means the son of favor. Go. So he said, no, no, I'm going to call him the son of favor, not the son of sorrow. And so he calls him Benjamin, right? So then, okay, now he's born. So when he's born, his mama died. And so he had to grow up without his mother. He only had one full blood brother, and that was Joseph. But then the other 10 doggone knuckleheaded brothers stole Joseph away when he was, a, when he was just a young boy. So now at, at an early age, he lost his mother, and now he lost his brother, and he thinks that his brother is dead. And so now he's like, oh man, all of this happened to him at a very young age. And then we don't know, the Bible doesn't say much about the treatment that he got at home. But based on this story, we can tell that Jacob was very protective, like overly protective of Benjamin. So that this meant that, you know, he actually had at least favor with his father. And so now he's living at home. He has this favor with his father. Um, and, you know, he had a, a, a rough go at it uh, when he was born growing up. And fast forward to the story. There he was. Benjamin is, is number 11. So he's at the end of the table. And he's sitting there and they're in a foreign land and they're supposed to be in the middle of a famine, right? I mean, they, they, they're there because back home, they don't have no food. So they're there in, in this foreign country, sitting down with this sultan and this sultan is throwing an extravagant feast for the family. And so one by one, these plates are prepared. And so you, you, you picture Benjamin, he's sitting there, he's, he's the youngest. And so he's watching and, and the, the servants, they go to, to Joseph's table and they prepare the plates there. And then they bring the plates over one by one. So one by one, they're bringing plates. And, and, and Benjamin is looking. He's number 11. So he has to wait for 10 plates. And he's watching. He's like, wow, that's a lot of food. Then the next one comes. Wow, that's a lot of food. But they're all the same. Next one. Wow, that's a lot of food. Now, every one of those plates had a lot of food. But it was, it was, they were basically all the same. So he's like, boom, same, boom, same, boom, same. And he's watching as 10 plates go by. A lot of food all the same. He's waiting for his. And then when his plate came, his plate had five times more food than their plate. There were, I mean, that, that was already a lot of food. Now listen, this is already a lot of food. 
This is what God does. God is a God of overflow. This was already a lot of food. And then his plate had five times more than a lot of food. So his plate came with five times as much food. And so he's like, oh my God, look at all this food for me. I was like, yeah, that's for you. And so at this point, here's the problem. What if his brothers got jealous? Here's the problem. What, what if his brothers got had issues with it? But thankfully, the text says that they didn't. They all celebrated. They, ce- they finally got to the point where they could celebrate what, one another. Listen, you got to be able to celebrate the diversities of giftings and callings without jealousy. And you got to be able to even appreciate when God favors someone else. And, and, and God bless you, but God really favored them. And you not get upset with the fact that they were able to experience that favor because favor is not fair. So what does this mean to you today? I have three things to share with you on this morning. And as I share these three things, this is where I really want you to to lock in. Three things. Number one, here we go. Let me speak to somebody this morning. Number one, God can turn your life around in a moment. I just want you to be clear about this. It doesn't take God long. Listen, the tides in your life can turn just like that. Have Have you right now, like right now, July 1st, been experiencing challenges? I know that this is a difficult time for a lot of people. Benjamin had his fair share of challenges. I already told you how he entered the world. He lost his mama. He lost his brother, all of that stuff. But listen, challenges are temporary. The blessing on your life is permanent. And so since the blessing is there, the challenges are going to subside. COVID-19 is not going to last forever. Coronavirus is going to come and go, right? Right now, the global economic downturn is not going to last forever. This thing is going to come and go. There won't be a need for stimuluses, stimulus checks you know, forever. All of this stuff is going to come and go. But the blessing on your life is not going to come and go. The blessing on your life is permanent. The, the, the challenges are temporary. You got it? So listen, one word from God, one, one word from God can turn any seemingly hopeless situation around. So let me just close out this point by saying, picture your life as a chessboard. And so you're making moves on the chessboard of your life and God is influencing those moves. The Holy Spirit is is influencing those moves. And God is also influencing what's happening on the opposing side, right? So God is influencing the moves and then you're trying to make decisions that line up with God's will. And I'm telling you that just one move, one, one move from God on the chessboard of your life can shift your life. He can shift things in your favor just like that. Joseph was 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 living in, you know, he woke up, remember, as a prisoner. He went to sleep as the prime minister of Egypt. These these boys, in one moment, they were in the middle of a, of a famine. Oh, God, daddy, we got to go to Egypt. We don't have no food. What are we going to do? In the next moment, they're having a feast in the middle of a famine. Oh, my God. In the next moment, they're just sitting there with more food that they can eat. You got one of the boys had five times as much food as everyone else. God can turn it around just like that, and it can happen at any time. So you should live your life with an expectation of manifestation because it can happen and it can happen at any time. Say amen to that. All right. Number two, favor is not fair. Let me, favor is not fair. God does what he does by grace, unearned, unmerited, undeserved. And then when he gives you favor, it's not based on your performance. It's not based on being fair with other people. It has everything to do with his goodness. Don't fight his favor. Just accept it. God's promotions. Listen, I, I was thinking about David this morning as I got to this point. There was a time, I don't know if you remember this, where David killed Goliath. And after David killed Goliath, he was actually placed in charge of an army. Now, he had never served in uniform. He had never served in the army one day. There were people that had been in the army for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and they worked their way up the ranks. And then all of a sudden, David was just given that position. I'm saying that 
that that promotions can come by grace. Promotions can come by favor. God can elevate you and give you a position that you do not deserve. I'm talking about unmerited, undeserved, unearned. That's the favor of God. And when it happens, don't sit there questioning, well, God, is this fair? No, it's not fair. That's the point. It's favor. It's not fair. Uh, This is what favor is. Favor is when God raises up people to use their power, their ability, their influence, and their money to help you in ways that you cannot help yourself and you didn't earn it and you probably don't deserve it, but get over it. So stop fighting. Don't fight the favor of God. It was not It was not fair for Benjamin to get five times as much food as everyone else, but he had favor with his brother. And when you have favor, when the favor of God is flowing to your life and on you, and, and yes, these are things that you clearly do not deserve, don't fight against it. Are you going to feel unworthy? You're going to be like, God, oh my God, are you sure? You want me to have, oh, listen, even this house that I live in, I, I grew up on welfare, man. I grew up on food stamps. And so so, so when every time God does something for us, I'm like, oh my God, are you sure? You want me? You want, <laughs> what? And so, you know, yes, just accept the grace of God. Accept the favor of God. God wants to bless you because God wants to bless you. Say amen to that. All right, number three, and finally, as I close, this is a very important point, this last point. God does not have a scarcity mindset. One of the things that God had to deal with Isabella and I, and I see that Isabella's on, one of the things that God had to deal with Isabella and I on was, was a poverty mindset. And so, so you know, we, we both grew up with, with not a lot, right? It, and so, so when, you, when you grow up with a poverty mentality and you're dealing with a God of abundance, uh, it's, it's really hard for you to kind of think like God because God doesn't have a poverty mentality. God doesn't have a scarcity mindset. You know, like, you know, like, uh, like I'll give a good example of, of a poverty mentality. It's like, you know, when the shampoo gets down to the, the, the last little bit of shampoo in the bottle and you have more shampoo bottles in the pantry, you could just go get another one, but you, you put some water, you, you open up the top and you put some water in that thing and close and you shake it up. Don't act like I'm the only one that's ever done this. And you shake that thing up. Why? Because you're trying to get the most out of that shampoo. Listen, God is okay with you throwing the bottle away and going to get another bottle. God is not afraid of running out. You're like, well, Rick, what does that have to do with the story? It actually has a lot to do with the story because I know that you've met people that would say what I'm about to say. They would look at this story and be like, oh, hold on for a minute. Hold on. Stop. What? That's not right. That's not right. Look at all the food that they're wasting. Look at, listen, they're in the middle of a famine. Do you know how many people you could feed with that, with that much food? Do you know how many people you could feed in the middle of a family? They should not have done that. That They were wasting food. They should not have done it. They could have taken just one small plate and then they could have went and then fed other people with it because really what they, they were really in the middle. Stop. God is not like that at all. Get over it. Listen, you don't, you're not thinking like God. You're thinking like this world. Just like it's not fair when God releases his favor, the blessing of the Lord oftentimes seems irrational. God, God is a God of abundance. God is a, a, an extravagant God. God is a God of overflow. God is not afraid of running out of anything, just to be clear. So while it's okay to be prudent and pragmatic, I'm not saying be dumb and, and be wasteful. No, I'm saying you can be prudent and pragmatic, but when it comes to God, just know that God is a God of overflow. When his favor is flowing, he can give you a feast in the middle of a famine. And, so, and, and when that happens, don't fight it, just accept it. Right now, in the middle of a global pandemic, 
The markets are down. The economy has taken a downturn. Obviously, we're giving stimulus packages as a country and all of this stuff. And, and there are businesses that are struggling to remain open. This is real life. But I can tell you that even in the middle of what's going on, God can if you're a business owner, God can favor your business. God can cause you to increase and overflow in the middle of a famine. God can give you feasts and favor in the middle of a famine. And my point for today is don't fight it. If God does that, accept it. It's the, it's, listen, as I, last thing I'll tell you as I close, never live your life with the fear of running out. If you really walk with God, you have to live your life with faith in running over. We serve a God who will run over and not run out. We serve a God who doesn't have a scarcity mindset. We serve a God who is a God of overflow and abundance. If you really study the word and see how God's blessing flows, God always, we serve a God of the, who, of the too much stuff. Let me say it this way. There, there, there's, there's, there's not enough. There's just enough. And then there's just too much stuff. And we serve a God, we serve a God of the too much stuff. We serve a God who will bless you in abundance till it overflows. Why? Because he wants you to minister out of your overflow. You can't be a blessing to other people. Listen, you can't fund missions work when you can't pay your own bills. You, okay, forget money for a minute. I can't minister, let's say marriage. Uh, if, if a couple comes to Isabella and I and, and they say, hey, we need help in our marriage. If Isabella and I are struggling in our marriage, then psh, forget you. We don't have time for you. We're trying to make our marriage work. But if our marriage is fine and our marriage has an overflow of love and abundance, well, now we can minister to others out of that overflow. So what God does is that he gives you overflow of everything so that you can minister to others an excess of love and grace and mercy and favor and money. And so that you can fund kingdom projects over the world, all over the world. God is a God. He's not afraid of running out. He knows that he can run over. Say amen to that. All right, let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. I want you to lift up your voice and say this. Say, Father, I believe your blessing is on my life. So no matter what I face, I face it knowing that the challenge will eventually subside. Challenges are temporary, but your blessing on me is permanent. So your blessing is able to take me from experiences of sorrow and pain <laughs> to experiences of blessing and favor. The tides are turning for me. You can cause me to increase even in the middle of a global economic downturn. So I boldly declare that greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. This is today's word. Please apply it and prosper. If you're not getting these messages, go to todaysword.org, click on the subscribe button, put in your email address, and you're going to get all my notes in your email inbox every day for free. Go into this day knowing that God can cause you to experience favor and a feast in the middle of a famine. God is a God of overflow. Live your life with faith in running over, never with the fear of running out. Share this message on your social media, on your timeline and with your friends. And please leave me some comments in the chat. I love you and God loves you more. I'll see you tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. God bless you.